Good afternoon to everybody watching. Thanks for joining us on Thursday afternoon. It is November 5th, and we're going to take an hour out of everybody's day to try and give you a little bit of reprise from the chaos that is this week. And welcome our good friend and just awesome entrepreneur and creator, Mr. John Kavanaugh of Cavanjo Pickups. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thanks for being here, my friend. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's good to have you. Um, now, we're not going to get into the musical thing like we normally do, but uh, we are here today to talk about pickups. John is the inventor and creator of the Cavanjo pickup, which some of you may already have. It's a little like this. And in our opinion, when I say we and our, I mean Deering, um, it's by far the, the best banjo pickup on the marketplace today. Um, and today we're going to dig into to why that is, what, you know, what the Cavanjo is, why it's different, how it's made, and just pickups in general. It's not a huge topic uh, within the banjo world, but it's growing in popularity. Nice mug, John. Just a quick uh, shout out to the, to the mug. <laughs> Thank you. DeeringBanjos.com for the latest version of that mug. Thank um, you. Jamie, and, do you uh, mug? <laughs> so we were just having some fun today and we want to have some fun with you guys. So um, I'll be running the chats as always. Do feel free to ask questions if anybody has questions. Um, but John, for the sake of everybody watching, what I want to try and establish in the first couple of minutes here is you know, what is a pickup? Um, I come from like a guitar bass background. And when I yep. came into the banjo world, uh, the one thing that became quite apparent is that not many people had a real firm understanding, especially of the magnetic coil pickup uh, that the Cavanjo is. Can you talk a little bit and just give everyone an idea of what a pickup is in its in its essence? Yes, and um, and I did too, Jamie. I came I came into music as a as a drummer and then a bassist, and then um, didn't discover guitar until later. But but in between all of those things. Uh, my buddies and I wanted to start a bluegrass banjo, uh, a bluegrass band, and um, and uh, we had a really uh, good school program where we played uh, all over. Uh, grew up in Boise, played all over the Boise area uh, with this bluegrass band in high school, and it was in the uh, '80s. So you had like your standard um, repertoire of of what was popular at that point, like the trilogy, Foggy Mountain Breakdown, Dueling Banjos, Jed Clampett, and all of those. Um, and then it, it, from there, we ended up wanting to start a rock band. And so then I went to electric bass and uh, fast forward into college, I discovered guitar. And, and then when I moved to Seattle, I was playing electric guitar in a rock band, um, but still playing a little bit of banjo, um, but studying drums. So I was all over the place. Okay. Um, um, and then when I moved down here to Salt Lake City to play with a friend in a band, um, at one point I was just looking at my pedal board one day and I thought how amazing would that be to get the banjo into that whole guitar uh, you know setup and I had tried it, this was like the late 2000 this was like the late 1990s and and it was and the only pickup that was really out there was the Fishman and I and I played that thing to death it was actually before they uh, added the preamp 
And so it had limitations to it at that time. And um, I just couldn't get enough signal to noise ratio, and it didn't really talk to my uh, pick up, uh, my pedal boards as, as well as I wanted. Because I'd go to my electric guitar, and I would just be like, oh my gosh, this is what I want. I want this signal to noise ratio, you know, where, where it's just, you know, amazing. Like, between, like, my Paul Reed Smith and my Fender and, and stuff, I was just like, wow, where, you know, how can I get there? Um, so then in the early 2000s, uh, uh, one day I just grabbed my banjo and I got a soldering iron and I just made some holes in the banjo head and thought, worst case scenario, I'm out of banjo head. And, uh, and I had a humbucker pickup and I just kind of held it up to, to, the, to the banjo head and strummed it and I couldn't believe how loud it was. And then I thought, well, how can I make it so it still sounds like a banjo? Because Greg had already invented the crossfire, which, you know, I had seen perform uh, hundreds of times, you know, Telluride and all over the place. Uh, yeah, flag with, and with, else. Yeah, yeah, with big bands, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the crossfire already had this niche uh, that was that was more on the electric guitar slash banjo side. And I wanted to be more like acoustic banjo that has some, el some electric power to it. And so I got a hold of someone ironically here in Salt Lake that wound pickups. I couldn't believe I found somebody and I went over to his house and he showed me, you know, the process of how you wind a pickup and the different uh, magnets. And we'll talk about all of the, the goodies that go into a pickup as we go here. But, um, that's kind of my story. And then I filed for a patent once I figured out how I was going to make this thing. And once the patent came through, uh, which P.S. they take like two to three years, but yeah. it gave me enough time to uh, get my act together as far as how am I going to produce this thing. Yeah. And, and, then, um, and then once I had my website up and going, I thought, wow, what if Deering would be interested in putting putting the pickup, you know, in at, at the factory. Like that was a dream of mine at one point that I thought there's no way, you know? And so then you played Deering, right? Like oh before, yeah. Before you came and worked with us, you, you were I playing did. a Deering banjo anyway. Yeah. So you were aware of the company. You were aware, aware of the, you know, what we were doing and what Greg was doing with like you said, the crossfire and stuff. Completely. Yeah. I mean, I bought my first Deering in 83. So wow. I was like, uh, I was like a fan and had uh, referred like countless students to, uh, to Sierras and Good Times and, uh, you know, everything, everything in the catalog. Um, so that, 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 was the, that was the story was uh, I drove down and made a presentation to Deering. And the first person I met walking in the door was David Bandrowski. <laughs> no kidding. This was back in the day when David was based here in San Diego. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. That's very cool. So we've been working with you ever since. And then, I mean, Dave, you, how long have you been with the company now? You have like 15 years or so? 2006. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. So. yeah. And I drove down there in August of 09. So that was my, that was my uh, hopeful road trip. And then David was nice enough to be like, yeah, set up in the back office. <laughs> <laughs> I it Carolina. was interesting because I, I had the same issue you know, I played in a lot of different bands other than just bluegrass bands, you know, Americana and rock bands and stuff. 
And I was using, you know, that early Fishman pickup and it didn't work. Um, so I had these issues. I, I lost gigs. So, you know, sometimes they're just bands were just like, it's not working out. It's feeding back, you know, or we can't get it loud enough or whatever. So I've had the, this issue and was looking for something. When you walked in the door, it's like, yeah, you know, definitely set up. I want this, what I've been looking for. So it was great. That's cool. But getting back to Jamie's first kind of first question for everybody listening out there, if we can really, on a real simple, short answer about what is a pickup, not necessarily a banjo pickup, but just what is a pickup? What does that do for for an instrument, for a stringed instrument? Okay, an, so for the longest time, for the longest time, uh, uh, you know, somewhere around the teens and twenties, uh, microphones started to spring up, and that's and the concept of that is you have you you have the cylinder and and it has this copper wire that's wrapped around it and then when electricity is pushed through that um it makes makes it uh so when you talk into the microphone it moves uh-huh. the diaphragm and the diaphragm moves through that chamber that has those those winds um and that's the most basic concept of microphones and there's tons of other microphones out there ribbon microphones and condenser microphones and there's there but the basic uh, idea is that it's the opposite of of like an earphone, you know. Uh-huh. So if an earphone is pushing air uh, into your in, into your ears to make music, this is the opposite. Uh, and so that concept, uh, I think it was who was the jazz guitar player Charlie, Charlie Christian. Sorry, Charlie, Charlie Christian. Christian. <laughs> so Charlie Christian, thank you. That's why. <laughs> Parker? Christian. Okay. So Charlie Christian was the one, first guy who came out to the jazz scene with an electric guitar and an amplifier. And all of a sudden, that pushed the banjo out of the scene because the banjo had occupied this place in ragtime music because of its percussiveness, because of its volume. And once they added the resonator... And once they got rid of the fifth string, you could play an E flat and B flat and all the all the jazz keys. And you know, once you had that bass player uh, thumping along and the banjo thumping in those in you know at the same tempo, um, you had some a, a good force of music that was that was pushing right. Uh, well, once the electric guitar showed up, it was just like. A, a totally different thing because the banjo couldn't really solo back then because it couldn't be heard o- over the horns. So it was mm-hmm. mainly just a, a, a helpful kind of rhythm thing. But so the concept of that pickup, which was the most basic pickup, was that they took a magnet and it was most likely something like this, which is uh, which is a magnet that is uh, a longer magnet than the ones that that we use in guitar pickups. So in guitar pickups, banjo pickups, we use these smaller cylinders. But uh, this ceramic uh, magnet is probably what was used back then. And then they decided to take that, wrap the coils around it, okay, and then lay that underneath the strings. So the strings are running this way. So the magnetic mm-hmm. field is like creating this hypersensitive situation 
So when the strings move, the copper coils pick up that. It travels down the line, patch cord, and into the amplifier. Now, uh-huh. there's some real magic happening in the amplifier, which I have never ventured into. And I have the highest respect for amp makers because, you know, at that point, you're like plugging into the wall and using AC power and things that, you know, you can get hurt by. Yes. Um, <laughs> but but, but uh, so, so, you know, the amplifiers are really the amazing. And the stories of amps are incredible. If you have a chance, you can, you can get into... Uh, some of the early stuff of amps, and there's a whole ocean of stuff. You probably have some vintage amps, don't you, Dave? I don't really have my... I've got one old Gibson EH-150, mm. and that's that was uh, built for... Um, I think the EH-150 was built for... was for, like, a, a steel guitar, like a oh, pedal wow. guitar. That's right. Right, right. and... It, and I get a lot of uh, steel guitar players that that contact contact me um, uh, through my own website and as well as Deering that are steel guitar players, which those guys have played magnetic pickups since the beginning. So yes. it wasn't that strange if they had a banjo to think of putting a magnetic pickup, which is what the Kavanjo is, mm-hmm. um, on their on you know on their banjos because they were used to that and they could use the same amp they could just plug the banjo in plug the you know so yeah so essentially john just to kind of wrap that up real quick the the idea is that there's a magnetic field generated which is subsequently interrupted by the vibration of the string to produce the signal through whatever you're playing so it could be an amp could be a a pa system or or whatever you're going into right essentially the essence of Yes, of a magnetic pickup. If you guys can see this, all right. But this is this is a this hold is it a up bobbin. close so you can. Yeah, can this is a bobbin, and the bobbin ha- has the holes in it, which the which the magnets uh, go go through, and uh, this is copper wire that's as thin as our hair, that just goes thousands and thousands of times um, around <laughs> around this, um, and I have a winding machine that I'll that I'll show you how that works but um the this is where the magic happens a lot of people think that magnets are 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 the most important thing magnets don't pick up the sound the coil picks up the sound so the so it's kind of like that old saying we had in computers you know garbage in garbage out if you're if if your pickup if your coil is is bad uh, a lot of those import uh instruments uh from the 90s the taiwanese stuff and all that it it, they barely wound you know very many rotations on their coils so you went to play the guitar and it's hard to hear and and stuff so they they did the minimal of what they could do and that's probably a cost thing but what uh what i did when i first started was after i learned how to wind the pickups then i started to experiment with different amounts of winds on the bobbin. So this bobbin that we produce, we do 6,000 rotations on the bobbin, which uh, gives you a really clean sound. But if you want to add overdrive, it will dig in enough that you can get some distortion going and it sounds and it sounds good. So, so before we get too far into um, 
your pickup that you're making, can you briefly, um, cause there's different types of acoustic instrument pickups. Okay. So, so can we, can we talk about some of the different types of, sure. uh, on a very, on a very, you know, so I think of it level. as four, four different, four different types. So there is a microphone, then there mm-hmm. is a piezo or a piezo, and that is a contact uh, form of of trans transducing energy into something that can go in to a signal. It doesn't use a magnet. It does not use a magnet. It has a crystal uh, formula that sits on top of a little metal uh, oval and. And it's amazing that it that the concept is 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 so cool because it's completely passive, and just by sending the positive and the negative through that, you get something that creates sound. And uh, and and that is what you use if you get your heart monitor thing going, or if you go uh, to the doctor and you have okay. any kind of a thing put on there for yeah. them to monitor you. Those are those are all uh, piezo technologies at different like levels of expertise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, then the third category would be um, would be a magnetic pickup, um, which is what I personally gravitated to first. You know, from this process, but we've since come back and and introduced some other pickups through Deering that utilize other, other pickup forms. And then the third one, I mean, fourth, fourth one, one is the, uh, is the one that Fishman is currently, uh, kind of accredited for, uh, Gerald Jones was the predecessor to that. And I even talked, uh, and the concept between that one is you have, you have a large ma- magnet that, that has the ability to, um, to, with a coil inside it, and when the metal shim, there's a small metal shim that's that's attached to the bottom side of the banjo head. When that membrane moves due to the strings vibrating through the bridge, that creates a magnetic force. That creates a, a kind of a, a reverse of, of of a magnetic pickup, but you're still dealing right. with some kind of metal moving. And then a coil with a with a magnet, you know, picking up that vibration. And the interesting off story of that one is when I was at the very first IBMA uh, show, uh, Mark Johnson introduced me to a gentleman who made the first pickup for JD Crow, and I believe if the story goes, he was an army. Uh, an army uh, specialist that did audio stuff. Okay. And I, 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 I hope that this is, this is the right, this is the right story, but JD went to him and said, I need a pickup. And he came up with this concept of taking uh, the earpiece of, uh, of, uh, of his, of his earphones, Uh putting it underneath the banjo head and then adding that little metal shim, uh-huh. and that was the beginning of that whole concept. Right, right. You know, so, so those are, 
those are the four. And the ones D- that people... Disclaimer, I hope it was JD. I'm sorry if it was... If <laughs> I, I think I'm that story, here. too. Okay, okay. <laughs> the, the, the one, the, probably the two that people are most familiar with, just kind of by default, whether they realize it or not, are probably the piezo, because most acoustic guitars and, and banjos had those in them kind yeah. of as default. And then obviously magnetic pickups. When you exactly. look through the archives of, of, of any music, any electric guitars has got a magnetic pickup or two or three or four uh, mm-hmm. in them. Um, so that's, yep. and, and yours, you chose to go down that road of, of magnetic uh, bass pickups. So yeah. we're gonna go a little deeper now. I wanna take okay. it one step deeper because when we talk to our customers and that we, you know, we ask them typically like, do you need a pickup of some kind? You know, and then we kind of go through the motions of what are you trying to do? Uh, what's your goal? And depending on the situation, we, we lead them to a, a couple of different places. But when we sell Cavanjo, we, we talk about the fact that yours is a humbucker. Now, then a lot of people, if they're not familiar with, with you know, electric guitars or anything like that, will ask, well, what's a humbucker? And then I kind of go into, well, here's an example of a humbucker. Here's an example of, of what would otherwise be called a single coil. And I want to keep this like really uh, base level because okay. we can go really deep down this rabbit hole, I'm, I'm aware. But can you, can you talk a little bit about when you say Mike Evangel is a humbucker, what that means and kind of where that comes from a little bit. Sure. So it was something that was invented for the Les Paul uh, mm-hmm. electric guitars in the 50s. And uh, if you take, if you, if you just play one of these coils um, and you think about a Fender electric guitar, they have a single coil and then a little space goes by, they have another single coil and then down by the bridge, there's another single coil. Well, Leo Fender was brilliant in the fact that he wired those so you could solo either one of those pickups depending on what kind of tone you wanted. If you wanted a tone that was bigger and rounder and stayed together really nicely up at the uh, up at the neck, or if you wanted it to be a little bit more shrill, uh, then you get down by the bridge. Well, he also made it so you could humbuck those, which means y- you could have both of them working together at the same time. And what, you, what happens then is you cancel out the 60 cycle hum that exists in all of our electronics. So if you've ever been in a doctor's office and like listened to the lighting, you know, and there's that kind of sound uh, that, that, that's evident, that's the 60 cycle hum. And that's because rabbit holing here just peer into peer into when, the rabbit hole don't don't okay, fall in okay <laughs> when tesla came up with the with the alternating current that became our that became our standard it actually switches back and forth 60 times every you know so so that's why that 60 cycle hum is is prevalent in electronic you know instruments okay so you got the single coils and you've got the ability to humbuck them and then, um, and then Gibson came, came around and said, all right, we're going to put both of those coils right next to each other. So now we're going to put the coils so they, so they are right next to each other, and we can either wind them in opposite directions so it cancels the 60-cycle hum. It's bucking the hum, right? Yes. Yep. So mm-hmm. there's, the, there, there's the name. So, so you're just trying to make, us, make a quiet pickup. 
you're you're trying to make it so you don't know that it's on until you go to strum it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why I decided to do a humbucker right off the bat with with Cavanjo because I didn't want people to get the banjo and have a single coil plug it in and be like, oh my gosh, what is this noise? This is so weird. Because it's already weird enough right. to get yourself out of acoustic banjo mode and to hear your banjo coming out of a different, um, you know, a, a speaker that's farther away. Like it's a real disconnect, you know, because we're so used to having our instrument just right there and you've got all the overtones going on, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so it is a challenge to to amplify things because then you have to you have to throw your attention to where that source is coming from but yet not forget that you're playing you know so it's 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 a balancing act that's for sure so can you talk light you know lightly not too deep about the difference you get in tone from a piezo pickup versus a magnetic pickup and kind of the difference in tone and probably the positives and negatives of each. Okay. So the in tone, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like when you think of like a, a, a piano and you, and, and, and you're going from low to high on the piano. Well, a frequency uh, spectrum is, is the same, you know, you, you have like through the sound wave, you have uh, different elements of, of, of overtones that make a clarinet sound like a clarinet in comparison to a saxophone. It, it, it's all these little spikes within that sound signature that give it its unique, uh, sound. So, um, if you think about a magnetic pickup, it's picking up the vibration of the string. It's over the coils and it's picking up the vibration of the string, which is going to be a warmer and more in the mid-range area, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not relying on as much of of what's happening on the banjo head itself, mm -hmm. right? It's it's relying on what's going on between the string and the magnetic pickup. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of concepts of how those overtones of the wood and, and everything get back into the string, you know, kind of like when you drop a pebble in a, in, in a pond and you see those, those um, waves go out and then they hit the side of the, of the pond and they come back a little. So those are mm -hmm. re those residual, you know, they're going the opposite way, right? So there's a concept of how the overtones can be heard in an instrument, uh, not only as you're playing it, but then after you're playing it, it's still, they're still hanging around. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that's how you get amazing instruments, you know, like in the classical era with these. Um, yeah. The piezo is kind of has its hands tied behind its back in the fact that it's a wafer thin piece of metal with this, uh, with this special, uh, um, chemical on it. Um, and so depending on how you attach it to your instrument and depending on the size of the wafer and the quality of those crystals, you can get quite a bit of difference between, uh, 
piezo pickup. But I mean, a piezo pickup, you could just take one of those and you could put it on your chest and you could talk into your, into your microphone, uh, into your amplifier through your body. Like it's real, really sensitive. And, and I have had Fishman, um, pickups in my acoustic guitars in the Mm -hmm. bridges, um, forever. Right. I mean, Fishman and, and, so, I played so, with a saxophone player who puts ISO pickups on a tambourine, and you know there's no oh, electronics going right. there, but he gets right. a huge, big boom sound through so it. So the so the so the problem with uh, the banjo, and it's not a problem as long as you're not trying to 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 have that be all of your sound that you're depending on, unless you're just playing by yourself, you know. But they can get away from you, which means if you're going to attach this thing to the banjo head, you have now made that one-inch cylinder that's the piezo. You Mm -hmm. have now made the banjo an 11-inch piezo. (laughs) So you... And so what happens? And so so if you have drums and bass going, as soon as that bass player plays one low note, the banjo becomes a giant... You know, receptor, yeah, yeah, a giant microphone, and and so at one point um, we were talking about a little earlier about uh, you know combinations. So at one point in the late '90s, I was combining a condenser mic, a piezo, and a Fishman, and blend trying to blend all three of those through a blender to get the volume up that I that I needed, um, and so it is. It is definitely, um, you have to be careful with those piezos. You can use them, you can use them, you can use them as, uh, as like the icing on the cake. But the way I look at it, as far as like, for instance, our Phoenix model, um, the Deering Phoenix model is that the Cavanjo is like the foundation of the sound. It's kind of the meat and potatoes mm-hmm. of the sound. Right. And then with the piezo, you can roll in a little bit of that piezo just to finish off those highs that exist on the head without making it feedback. So, so if, you, if you had like on the spectrum, you'd had like a microphone here, you know, a cavanjo, a magnetic pickup here, mm-hmm. and a piezo in the middle. That would kind of be the flow of like, you know, from like the pure acoustic sound to, you know, the you know, the, you know, the, the, the more mid range sort of sound. That's a great concept. Yeah, that is, right. that's great because the piezo can do awesome. If that, if it doesn't have to get loud and it doesn't have to compete and it's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of different casings are involved in those. Like some people put them in wood, some people, uh, uh, put them in cork. Um, others have them in strips that we put underneath the saddle of the, mm-hmm. um, the uh, guitar. Yeah, of the acoustic guitar, and they sound amazing. You think of all right. that stuff that that was done, um, you know, where people are hitting their guitars. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have to have a piezo in there because you you can't, you know, right. a lot of go- right. those guys you that are pick, doing you that. You pick per- up the, the yeah. The, and Michael Hedges even put piezos right. in different Hedges, parts, you know, <laughs> yeah, different, exactly. di- different Sorry parts for of his guitar, right? <laughs> <laughs> so or or can, the guy across the. the exactly Uh, we 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 spent one or two nam shows together have we not gentlemen yes sorry everybody (laughs) it's an internal conversation let's go let's go back to um yeah 
Um, so this so, guy was amazing, but I mean, he was like playing his guitar, like a drum and a guitar at the same time. So yeah, when like John says hitting the guitar, that's what he means. He's he really, really was percussive. hitting it. Yeah. Yeah. So. so going back into the, you know, we had the, we have the Paizo and, and, um, how would you, so you're getting what probably the biggest issue is it with people using banjo pickups or even any acoustic instrument pickup is is they say I'm getting feedback and not feedback like cool feedback. Like I plug yeah. in my Les Paul and it's feeding back and exactly. I'm rocking. It's right. squee, you know, a yeah. squeal that yeah. everybody says, please turn it off. Exactly. And it's hard to harness those. Once they go on you, you know, you are the guy at the gig that is, you know, kind of trying to jump back to the amp and turn it off or you're looking and at your stuff and it's just mm -hmm. unprofessional. So, so, um, the, the Paizo is great. You have to just know its limitations. Right. To touch on that just for a minute. Um, you're, you're also looking at the sound guy desperately <laughs> trying to get some assistance but for anyone who's seen, you may have noticed a lot of acoustic guitar players. They have like a cap in the sound hole a lot of the time when they're playing live. And I, I believe that that, that purpose of that cap is to, is to block off any of that. Well, try and reduce some of that feedback yeah, um, yeah. from the sound traveling back into the, into the hole and being picked up by that piezo pickup. Totally. Yeah. Um, also what's so, the, what's the Guns N' Roses rhythm guitar player's name? No one knows is he, who he is. Is he Stradlin? Is that yes. It? Sure. Oh. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and he plays a 335 semi hollow, but they're playing very loud. But so he caps the F holes on the 335. Oh, that's right. He does. Yeah. 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 And I and I did the cap for 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 a while. I I actually came up with something that was like a partial cap, so it wasn't it didn't cover up the hole completely. But I think at one point I tried to do something where I cut some of it out because it seemed like the weight of that on the uh, on the top of the acoustic guitar head started to take away from the sound. You know, just so, just like so just like uh, uh, hammer guys who put socks and and t-shirts in their banjos with the piezos very similar and yeah. all of a sudden you're like but you're not really playing banjo now i mean not to say you guys can't do that because you can no, do anything well, sounds that sounds good to you but yeah but yeah i'm not a claw hammer guy so i don't know the expertise of like how to put it in there and and, and but know. what we do on that topic we do on our jamie on our sixth string um we what is the we put a piece of foam in with this with the when it's, uh, yeah it's a similar it's a very similar concept so when we when we ship out um anything uh basically with a pickup on it on a piezo we have it's a foam roll that clamps into the back of the co-rod uh and just kind of deadens the the head a little bit uh and just stops so much vibration from happening so it's a feedback eliminator basically it's the same principle as the uh, as the sock or the rag in the back. There's there's yeah. a lot of rogue um, frequencies that exist on the banjo head, and so you you sometimes you know just by doing something like that, you can take away just enough of some of those crazy overtones that are happening on the banjo head that are just crashing together. I mean, they're not helping your sound, you know. And so I I I love to hear good claw hammer music. So Great. one way to kind of help before we dig really deep into the Cavanjo, but if we're getting feedback, because this is a big issue with, with, yeah. with pickups, yeah. how 
do we you suggest you know plugging their their signal chain into their amplifier or PA or, or powered speaker or whatever they're using? Um, is there? And I, I know I use I use a preamp DI box, and that helps. It has a notch filter on it. Yeah. And what a notch filter is for everybody, like this is an LR bags preamp. Uh, and a notch filter, you can dial, essentially you turn this dot knob and essentially it's dialing out a certain frequency without change, without taking it out, you know, without making a broad um, swipe of your frequency range. So, so you can find that one specific frequency that's feeding back and then you can knock it down. And I and concept. I and I love I love going to one of those first. So I don't care if you're playing any any pickup, uh, whether it's mine or whether it's whether it's uh, someone else's. It's always good to have control of your sound. Like you can't rely on the sound guy. You can't. Some you're trying to get his attention, or maybe he's way back on the mains board, and you're like, and you're. And like a lot trying. of us don't have sound guys too. To, you know, we just. Yeah, that's true. And so, uh, you know, I have the Fishman Platinum, and I love it, and it mm-hmm. and it has that notch filter too, and and uh, and so uh, it works. Yeah, I would say get to some kind of a preamp, like David's saying, as soon as possible. So if you are someone who just stands in one place, you know, in the show, you don't need a very long patch cord. You can put it right in front of your feet. And if you need something, you can just real quickly, you know, reach down, turn your volume up, turn your bass down, you know, whatever you need to do. Um, Right. You know, or if you're in the studio, uh, you just have an ability to to control your sound, contour your sound, you know, before it hits to its end thing, which is the audience's ears, which is what we're after. We're, we're right. after sounding as good as we can. So, And is there a usual frequ- frequency that you think is that squealing feedback? If, you're, if you had a little EQ thing and you're going to go first without really knowing much, where is there... A place you would go first to kind of guess where it is. Um, I wish I had the answer for that. Um, uh, I have heard uh, sound guys just yell out like, you know, take it down at five fifty. You know, right, right, yeah. you know, cut twelve hundred. You know, twenty percent. Um, but I don't, I don't yeah. know. And I, don't, I, I don't think know. it can. I, I also think it can vary depending on the size of hall that you're in, mm-hmm. and 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 some of the some of the situations of, of, of the actual right. place the that you're playing. Volume. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so now maybe let's, let's look at the, the, how does the Cavanjo pickup um, attach to the banjo? So Jamie has a, has a yeah. one there and, um, and I'll just explain it as he's, sh- as he's holding it up. Yeah, there we go. All right. So, and, and John, I'm going, to, I'm going to follow this up with a question um, as I hold this up as well, because about two or three people have asked this already. Okay. Does the way this is mounted, does it affect the acoustic tonal properties of the banjo once it's installed? So just keep that in mind as you're answering here. Okay, sure. So um, I had in my, in my original concept of this that... Uh, 
that the pole pieces that you see on the top there um, that are the little black screws on the top there are little black 440 screws and they go into a a steel housing that sits on top of the super neodymium magnet so so those are doing two things they're holding the pickup next to the head um, so they're doing a mechanical thing, but they're also doing a job within the pickup, which is they're giving you something. The magnetic field is getting past the plane of the banjo head. And then underneath, uh, what you can't see is I use little rubber O-rings that are between the banjo head and the pickup. So between the surface of the pickup there are little O-rings that are on each one of the holes. So then the head goes down and then the screws go in. And so it's like a little shock absorber. So those O-rings, because if you just put this flat pickup right next to the flat banjo head, you would have all kinds of strange stuff going on. You'd have very micro vibrations happening between those two things and, and, you, you, and you would probably kill the sound at, Almost like if I just held my hand over my mouth when I'm talking, mm -hmm. you can't understand what I'm saying. So, You're effectively dampening it at that point, right? Yeah. And so then, those O-rings act as a little spacer to keep the, the body of the uh, the bobbin, if you will, yes. away, oh, just a little hair away from the head to stop it interfering. Yeah. Or at least just, minimalize just, the contact. Yeah. yeah. While still getting the coils as close to the strings as possible. Because remember, it's the coils that are uh, what the strings uh are, are really talking to on, on their way to the amplifier. And so what I wanted to achieve, and I'll just grab this good time and just kind of hit, hit, the, hit the head. Um, um, what I wanted to achieve was a banjo that when it was not plugged in, still sounded like an acoustic banjo. So I, I, I still wanted it to have the sustain and I still wanted it, if people wanted to mic it in the studio or play it with their friends, that it would still be like, oh, my banjo isn't completely a different instrument now. Um, because, you know, back in the 90s, you kind of had to, like, have your acoustic banjo, and then you had to have your full-on electric banjo. And so I wanted to bridge the gap. That's pretty cool. So that was just so you could hear the banjo there. Just, it seems like a, sorry to make you pick it back up again, but it seems like a really good opportunity to uh, just hear how the Gavanjo sounds clean, right? I think everyone's curious. We can't, we can't do this without, without letting everybody hear it. Well, so, th so, so this is the Good Time model, and this was the, this, along with the uh, Sierra, uh, were the two flagships of, of how the Gavanjo came onto the market through the Deering Banjo Company. And uh, uh, Carolina Bridges and, and Barry and I and uh, Janet had talked a lot with Greg's blessing that that this was a good way to uh, to get it in the hand hands of people that that wanted to play um, with an amplifier. And at the two different price points, it was like, you can get into it for this or you can get into it for this. So, um, um, and just to get back to the, uh, the story of the NAMM show, uh, the good time 
in this form, and this is a Good Time special, of course, but the Good Time debuted at the 2010 NAMM show. And so it, uh, it was made its, made its debut there. Um, Grant from the 12th fret, I think, was one of the first people that was like, what is that? <laughs> or, over there. Yeah. So, so, so here I'm, I'm hitting the banjo head. Yeah, there's nothing there. Yeah. But, but you can't hear it. And you also can't tell that I'm plugged in until I go to strum. And that's the magic of the humbucker. So uh-huh. it is, you don't hear the e and, and you don't, and so until you want to play your instrument. So as far as signal paths, um, um, I'm going through my pedal board, but I'm just on a bypass. And it's just going through a volume uh, pedal into a deluxe reverb fender. Um, And then I've got a condenser mic on that. So I know that the condenser mic's probably not the best choice of mics in this situation. It should just be a dynamic, but... Seattle, I was always amazed at how Kurt Cobain could go from totally clean electric guitar to rip your face off distortion. And he would do those just without any warning on these songs. And so I thought if I can if I can make something that people can start to utilize, you know, not only not only not only play clean, but also uh, have the ability to do effects, so. Ah, the good kind of feedback. That's, That's what you like. good kind of feedback. <laughs> That's cool. And then that, that was pretty clean outside of that, outside of the drive there. Did you have any reverb on there as well? Because you um, can do the, the subtle effects. Yeah. Um, like for instance, um, this is dry. But if it, I was in a studio setting and I wanted to make this sound a little bit more spatial and more closer to what you hear when you're playing your instrument in a room, then I would, I would add a little bit of reverb. I mean that's a ton of reverb. That's like yeah. that's that's a ridiculous amount, but um, <laughs> but let's say that you use that reverb as 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 a tool within your songwriting or within your 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 
music creation. So, so you're, you're actually going for that space. You know, if I was playing, I grew up on bluegrass banjo, but I've always been, I've always loved like minimal stuff. So, you know, if you can put, spatial stuff um was that your bill frizzell banjo playing <laughs> that was <laughs> or who was the producer for you two that did a bunch of that stuff like um, um that's the youtube yeah i think Sounds pretty good. We have a, a local artist here in town called, uh, his name's Aaron. Shout out Aaron De La Rosa. He's a uh, place with a band called Cal Bordell. And he, he does a lot of, he has a cavanjo in, I think, all three of his earrings. Awesome. And uh, he, he doesn't go for like the real heavy, like distortion stuff, but he does use a lot of very subtle, like reverbs and flanges and phases and stuff that is totally not overdone, but it really kind of creates a very unique tone live for him and he just runs straight into the I think he runs straight into the front of the house wow um, cool. it does sound really really cool so yeah well, and that's and that's the reason why I went to the trouble of you know getting a patent and, and figuring out how I could make these because I just thought wow if I need this for myself there's there's got to be a handful of people uh, that 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 need this kind of volume in a situation you know and and uh, like I think, wow, if Jerry Garcia would have had a magnetic pickup in his banjo, <laughs> he would have never played the guitar. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. Um, so, John, does a question that a lot of people have is does does the Cavanjo need a battery? No. So the the. My biggest thing was that, at, and I know that active uh, instruments. Uh, what do they you get mean to by higher, active? They, so you, active. Men, you mentioned passive earlier. What do you mean by active and passive? So, like like David's talking about, passive means that it is it is just relying on its own horsepower to get this information from the from the pickup down the cord into the preamp, you know, or directly into mm -hmm. the amplifier, right? Well, a passive uh, active pickup has a battery actually with within the pickup system. So Jamie was talking about being a bass player. Um, yeah. Most of most of the the best uh, pickups, except for like traditional pickups, of course, in like a Fender. But uh, you know, like most of the pickups that that really would give you amazing uh, tone and and power. Uh, so you didn't have to play very hard, and you could play very um, in control. Uh, were these were these active? And it's almost like they had a little preamp just as soon as 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 the pickup, you know, right. with you know within the pickup. And so you know, I have um, I have like an efficient uh, Fishman acoustic guitar pickup uh, that's in the sound hole that has little batteries, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but the downfall is 
it's an annoyance, not a downfall, but it's, it's, you get to the gig and you plug in and you go, Oh my gosh, my battery's dead. And you have to right. somehow reach all the way into the sound hole and up to where they put it. Now they have little capsules that you can pop open. But back in the day, you know, I just thought, you know, but what? the battery I, being dead is a big, yeah, problem. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have to screw, unscrew all of your, uh, you know, yeah. all, all of your flange, right. you know, apparatus and change the battery and stuff like that. If you have one. <laughs> exactly. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to create uh, and see by getting past the, uh, the banjo head with the magnets, uh, the magnetic field, then I was able to get the signal directly from closer than anyone had gotten to. So the the day that I solder hold the banjo head, you know, as an experiment, um, was the first time that I, that I know of that anybody went past the 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 plane of the banjo head which is what needed to happen so you didn't have to have a battery and you could keep it passive. Mm -hmm. So so you had enough signal, so basically. But, you know, we're still saying you should, you should, you should get some kind of sound uh, control, even if it's at your, you know, foot. Yeah. You know. So now you have a six-string banjo with you, right? Right, so this is a really cool banjo. This is a this is a deluxe, it's a deluxe. and it's a six string, and it was a uh, the concept of the six string. We we launched the five string uh, banjos first, and then acoustic electric banjos. Yes, and then yeah. the, and then and then the the country market started to pick up on the six string banjo thankfully um for us uh a b6 got in the hands of taylor swift and she got a grammy off of her song mean and and that was pretty pretty cool but there's dozens and dozens if not hundreds of 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 country stars and and country players that are out there playing the six string um which is really cool because you can get you can you can get the the you can get some of those bluegrass licks the sound banjo-y but you can apply them to the six string or you can just yeah or you can do that so a little bit i did hear a little bit um, sometimes uh, do, do your pickups, if you open the back of them, there is a wire that connects to metal pieces. Let me grab mine right here um, so you can see it. Oh, you should mention what your what your We'll, we'll talk about is, that in a David. second, but let's talk about the ground wire and what okay. that does. Um, so my ground wire is wrapped around here, and it's tucked into one of these... Um, J, these hex nuts right here. But what does the ground wire do, and what's the, why is that needed? Um, the grounding wire, um, you could run the pickup in what we call floating ground, which means it's ungrounded. Mm-hmm. But depending on where you're playing and, and, and certain 
uh, lighting uh, systems in different clubs and 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 let's say you're in your living room and you have a halogen light on. Yeah. Uh, sometimes those will create a weird um, 60 cycle hum of their right. own. And so right. the grounding wire allows you to connect the negative portion of your, you have a positive and a negative of, of, of anything, whether it's your plug that you plug into the, to the wall or, or into, or yeah. this being so simple. When you connect that, to the metal that is connected to all the rest of the metal of your banjo. So that, and that includes everything. That's your, that's your rim and your, if you have a full ange and it's your strings and your tuning pegs, all of those things now are grounded and they're all seated in either wood or, or other metal. And so you've now, you've now made your instrument. So, it is completely quiet. Uh-huh. Like you and are now the also, ground of your instrument, your own right, instrument. Right, right, right. You know. Because sometimes you pick up, you know, some some guitar, some, some electrified instruments, and you hear the buzz until you touch the strings. That shouldn't happen. Right. Yeah, that's, but with the that's, ground wire, it should, it, it helps. Exactly. The grounding right. wire, yep. Yeah. Right. Um, so yes, let's talk about the Cavanjo that I have on here. So this is a Deering Tenbrooks. I took the resonator off. It's a legacy banjo, but um, you can see I don't. The poles are not coming through the head on this banjo. This is a, this. I have a Cavanjo pickup on here, which is back here. But John, what type of pick? What type of Cavanjo? What do you call this? And can I just say, I've seen that banjo like half a dozen times in my life, and I didn't know you had a pickup in it. <laughs> That's how good it is. <laughs> That's good. Uh, well, because of, uh, you know, the need to uh, expand, you know, not only what the customer needs, but also like, you know, what, what do I want to contribute um, to the players out there? And... And that was one that I had in my original patent, which is where the banjo pickup does not touch the head at all. Mm -hmm. So there's the one that has the O-rings that's faceted to the banjo head. Um, and then there's this one, which is called the Rail Rider. And it's relying on the two coordinator rods and uh, on the back of, of the banjo to, to hold, hold it in place. To yeah. hold the pickup in place. And so uh, I, I don't... Uh, I don't do um, the 440 screws on that because it's 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 unneeded, obviously. But also that allows you to get that that um, that whole apparatus even that much closer to the strings because you know you can just take some kind of a card and, right. and just measure. Yeah, it I put I put like a, a you know credit card yeah, or something yeah. in there. Yeah, and then it also allows me to uh, to move it um, where I want. So, you know, you know, on guitars, on electric guitars, a lot of most of the time, you'll have a neck pickup and a and a bridge pickup. And you mentioned it earlier. The so if you're, what happens when you're it, when when you're up here versus if I put it right here? That's that's a really good question as well. Before you jump into that, because there's been a couple of people asking about on the chat, um, specifically John, when you made the first one, was there a reason why you chose that specific position? Like towards the neck, 
but then leading into what Dave is talking about, yes, okay, like the sure. tonal differences of, of being able to move between neck and bridge. Yes. So I did some, uh, some research and development on, on where, where should that uh, pickup go in comparison to, you know, and what I was, what I kind of geared it on was the information that's coming from the strings into the bridge is landing at about one third in, you know, into that, into the headspace. So within that 11 inches, the, the bridge is coming in, you know, at, 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 um, at about one third of that. And so I had tried a couple different areas. If you go too close to the neck, um, you almost get too much signal and it doesn't sound banjoy. And if you go too too far in the center, your strings start to go away from f- from the pickup, and you start to lose signal. So it's a perfect balance of how can I get the most signal, but it still sounds banjoy. And so I I landed on that, and then ironically, it was almost the same distance from where how far the bridge is from the edge of of the head to where the pickup is. So if you go back to the concept of, you know, dropping the pebble in the, in the thing, you know, you get this right. And Mm -hmm. that, and, and so it doesn't get in the way of the frequencies that are coming off of the bridge. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, in, in that, in that, uh, position, that original position. Right. And an offshoot to the one with the O rings, um, the traditional Cavanjo pickup is that since the good time banjo doesn't have two coordinator rods, it was the perfect pickup for people with a good time. Right. Because, you know, unlike... There's nothing to attach it to. That's right. So right. You, you can't it, you can't get the, the thing will just spin if you only have one coordinator rod. So right. it, was, it was perfect for the good time line because I, I don't know if, if Greg had really discovered the pickup. I mean, when Greg first looked at my concept, um, he totally made me sweat it out and didn't talk for like, you know, played it and then looked at it and I was just like sweating bullets. And then he was just like, well, this is just what we're looking for. So, so it, it, it just worked perfectly for, for my invention. And then what Greg knew that he needed, he needed something in between the crossfire and, and a traditional, acoustic but yeah and with the rail rider you know you can move it around so you can you can figure what works best for you you know that's the that's the spot it's pretty much the same exact spot you know as where so david can you pick up your banjo one more time and show show them the back um so right where the bridge is Mm -hmm. you can see that little indentation that little pucker well we have a, a a metal strip that you can attach to that um, with a special double-sided uh, uh, tape, and you can create a uh, a Gerald Jones slash Fishman style pickup out of the rail rider. So you can play it in that neck position, or you can slide that thing down underneath the bridge, and you can add the shim, and you can have um, you can have that pickup too. Right. So essentially, it'd be nice to have two pickups in your banjo. <laughs> Double humbucker. There you go. Double humbucker, like, uh, you know, 
Start. Every electric guitar you see. <laughs> okay, now that you've planted the seed. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you, do you want to show us a little bit of how you wind a pickup? If you have sure. that set up there. Yeah. Yeah. So we made a, we made a, uh, a mobile pickup winder that we, that we, <laughs> that we had at the NAMM show this year, which was, which was pretty cool. Can you bring um, your camera down just a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, you bet. There you go. Okay, so what we're looking at here is, um, is here's the bobbin that's been attached to the, the turning apparatus. And then I have, well, I don't know if I can do this without screwing things up, but then I have a readout of how many rotations there are and it will automatically stop for me as soon as I get to the place where, um, where, boom, you know, six thousand or, or or more or less, depending on what you're trying to strive for. I landed on six thousand rotations because it keeps it clean, but yet you get dirty. But as Jamie and I have talked in the past, you could do something where you call underwinding the pickup, which means that it's uh, thinner and very very clean, um, or Heavy metal guys uh, would always overwind their pickups to get even more saturation. So if you imagine if that electricity has to go through even more copper before it finally gets sent back to the amplifier, it's going to have to work harder. And so um, I didn't want the, if, since the banjo needs to be played clean, I didn't want it to have to struggle so I tried to find the perfect spot uh, that that the sound could get to the, you know, from the instrument as fast as possible without compromising the tone. So, mm -hmm. okay, so this little guy, these are so slick. Um, the first one of these that I made, I had to make from scratch and make it out of wood with a sewing machine uh, motor and all, and you know, get a counter and all that stuff. And so what I'm doing is I'm just moving slowly back and forth. Yeah, I was going to say, watch his hand, watch his... Uh... Yeah, watch, because I, I tried this at the, at the last NAMM show, and I wasn't very good at it. Um, so it does take some concentration and skill to, to make it wind nice and evenly, right? Yeah, yeah. you're actually not looking at your hand, because it has the guides, so you can't, you can't go over far, you can't go you know, beyond what you need to go through. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking at the very top of, of the bobbin as it's spinning mm -hmm. and it almost creates like a line that you can see where you need to go and fill in spots, you know, but if you do it just right, you can just kind of keep going back and forth. If we have any people that have done any, um, sewing, you know, you've, you fill up a bobbin on a sewing machine and you just have to load it as evenly as possible because right. you don't want it to load lopsided, you know, fishing line people might have done. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what makes like a hand wound pickup by, by you different than just hand wound humbucker pickup different, you know, better quality than just like a, a stock generic humbucker pickup. Um, you know, the way, uh, you know, Lindy Fralin explained it really well. He's a renowned pickup maker um, uh, out of, I think, Virginia. And, and he, he, you know, 
I'd have questions and call him up every once in a while, and he was always very uh, gracious with with information. Um, he said that there are machine wound pickups, and that the hand wound pickups is you're getting a unique pickup because. Mm-hmm. If you're not a machine, you could never, ever wind two pickups exactly the same. Mm-hmm. What I do is I make sure that, that the, re- the resistance of the pickups are, are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so when what do you I mean go by the resistance? To, so the amount of energy that it takes for it to go positive all the way through the 6,000 rotations mm-hmm. and back out, to those, that can be measured, the amount of resistance that it takes for it to make its trek. Around okay. around the pickup, and and so, for the most part, the resi- the resistance. Um, if you, if any of you were in charge of you know setting up the PA system uh, with your band or or did any kind of stuff in the studio, you always know that you want to use the same uh, the same length of of cable. You know, like if you're doing the two overheads for the for the drums, you don't want to do a 10-foot cable and a 50-foot cable because that information now is not running at the same speed. Mm. Um, and so you, it, the same thing applies to, to what I do with the pickups, which is almost like making them balanced, like a balanced pair of microphones or something like that, is mm-hmm. that I, I, I try to get them to have the same resistance. So mm-hmm. then when they're working together, they're working perfectly together. Mm-hmm. And if there's, and that's also my first line of defense. If, if, if a pickup had a problem with it, it's out of there. If there is, if the resistance isn't, you know, isn't, isn't right, isn't in the parameters, you know, right. of, of what's acceptable. So, and, and we use, uh, you know, just the best copper, you know, that we can get and, um, right. And, uh, and, and we try to source all of our parts, uh, American made. So, uh, that was, that was my big thing when I first started. I, I also, uh, you know, you know, and this is back in 2002 and three and four, I was just like, I want to, I want to take the time to find, you know, you know, all the American made parts. Cause I thought, I, I just thought the banjo is American and the Cavanjo should be, uh, as American made as possible. And, then when I approached the Deerings, I was like, this is awesome. You know, this is going nice. to be the perfect, the, the perfect, perfect combo. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. The, the hand wound thing goes a long way. It, you know, it's like, uh, if you're into, oh, I mean, anything really, if you're making anything by hand, it's going to be of a, of a, I would hope a superior quality, uh, in general. Uh, back in the day, I remember meeting, um, uh, Abigail Yabara. Do you remember, did you ever meet her? She was the, the legendary, uh, Fender guitars pickup winder. So she oh, would wind, oh, wow. you she would wind pickups amazing. before she oh. passed away, yeah. Oh, um, wow. And she, uh, she would wind pickups for Eric Clapton and all these guys. I'm just now looking on Reverb.com. There's a set of her hand-wound pickups from 2010 <laughs> for $1,500 for a three-single-coil set, wow. which is staggering. So oh, the, I thought the, it'd be more than that. I thought it would be like 50000 <laughs> <laughs> That's with that's the guitar. Up there. That's, that's with, the, yeah. that's with that's, the guitar. <laughs> that's installed in a custom shop. But um, yeah, so the, the idea of the hand wound thing is, uh, is, is it's like hand-to-hand wired amplifiers, right? It's, yeah. it's oh, yeah, just that's better a than analogy. a factory made. Um, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And they mm. have these massive machines, you know, that, that 
that they put bobbins on and the things like me, you know, and it's done. But uh, for me, um, I like to think about the person that's going to end up getting this pickup when I'm done with it. So the 10 or 12 minutes that it takes to wind a bobbin, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I'm obviously listening to my headphones, but I'm like thinking about the person that's going to get this, you know, through the whole process of when I'm making these pickups, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to make this pickup just as good as I possibly can, mm-hmm. like, you know, like the last, you know, and just yeah, make sure great. that, because it's their only pickup, even right. though it might be my 35th hundred one I've made, mm-hmm. it's it's their only one, or right. it's their first, or right. so, so I make sure that... You bring some mojo into it. <laughs> yeah. Some, some hey. Kavanaugh mojo, yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you what, like, oh, I've been at this company 10 years, David, you've been 15, you know, and then I look, I oversee the service guys here, um, customer service so all of that line comes through me and, and to some degree Dave I don't think I've and I, I mean this sincerely I don't think I've ever seen uh, a customer kind of communication to where my, my Kivanjo has failed I just don't think legitimately I don't think I've seen it it's not even one or two it's nothing and it's um, that's amazing they just have not failed which is great yeah well so, that's that's awesome and and I I really appreciate everything that you guys do because it, it's the combination of, uh, you know, of these two elements. I don't know how to make banjos. You guys don't know how to make pickups. But for some reason, you know, it was just the timing was just perfect in 2009. And uh, great. So what happens if I, this is a common question, I, you know, if the, the Cavanjo is attached to the head of the, ban, of, of the banjo, when you buy a Cavanjo pickup, you, you, you know, you get a head. Yeah. With it. Right. Right. So what happens if I break my head is my, do I have to get a whole it's, new pickup? No. So those little, uh, black screws that we had made mention, uh, you just take this, uh, 16th inch, um, hex, uh, screwdriver that we send out and you just undo those little black, uh, 440 screws and, <clears throat> Then the banjo pickup itself just falls off the banjo head, and you'll see those little O-rings. And then we send out a replacement head that's brand new, pre-punched with the holes, depending on what you need. If you need uh, four, five, or six string, right, right. if you have the output jack yeah. in the head, you know, and then you can reinstall it. And it probably takes like 10 minutes once, you know... Once you get the once you get used off. to changing a head, but you're just totally. changing the head of the banjo, you know, and yeah. unscrewing the pickup from it. Yeah, basically. yeah. I wanted yeah. to make it as simple as possible. So even yeah. if you uh, didn't, uh, and this was before I approached Deering, so I didn't have a, a maker that was that that was installing at the factory. Um, I was just doing it as as an a la carte product. So mm-hmm. so I was like, all right, how easy can I make this? You know, so you change the banjo head. Uh, and then you attach the ground wire and, and you can plug in. Yep, and you can buy them, like like this guy I'm holding up here. Uh, yeah. And you're, one thing I just, we didn't talk about briefly, on this one, the, the jack is actually mounted into the head. This is really so that you can just, like you say, install the head directly, and there's your jack, you can go right into that. Um, and there, again, that's super minimal contact to the head, so it's not gonna affect anything, and it's not right. necessarily in the central part of the head to where it's gonna be, uh, on the key kind of vibration points. Uh, when we do them at the factory. Yeah, um, here, here's mine, uh, you know, it's uh, it's right here on the flange, if you can yep. see it. Um, so, you know, on the underside, it, it pokes through one of these flange holes. 
Oh. Yeah, that's slick. And on, on a few good. different models, we actually can go through the rim as well. I think, uh, John, you might have one on the good time there that's uh, directly barrel jacked through the rim there. Um, Maybe not. Could I've got one here I can show for you one second. That's all right. It's just a right. yeah, nice one. Through, through the rim is fairly easy to uh, imagine. But it's like, <laughs> I actually the, only have phalanges and then I have, yeah, and then a head mount. But yeah, normally the good time was conceived with a barrel jack. Right. Switchcraft barrel jack, like an end pin jack right. on acoustic guitar. And then and you also have that jack that attaches to the co-rod, right? Yeah, I'll show you that one. That's called the, um, uh, I just call it the Velcro mount. And sure. God, John, you're getting some really positive praise in the chat room here, I'll tell you that. There you go. That might be D minor. <laughs> um okay happiest of banjos saddest of keys um let's talk about this is like david's uh rail rider but it is in the bridge position like we talked about mm -hmm. um and then um because there's nowhere to attach on this vega 2 there's nowhere to really attach it to um, with that bracket band, right? Yeah. You can't so go then through now the you can just you can just attach it with this with this Velcro mount, um, which is great for you know claw hammer people and uh, and you know not a claw hammer person, but John, would you mind holding that up one more time, real quick? At the back of it. Oh, the back of it, because I, I didn't have you spotlighted. There you go. Okay. So I can plug straight in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. A good. Uh, I, I'm gonna call. Great. Non-invasive is what we're after. Is right. if you have a classic instrument, and you number one don't want anything touching the head, and you don't want anything touching, you know, you can go this route, and uh, and and it's 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 not really a, simple. Yeah, right. Not have to alter anything. Yeah, yeah. we we haven't uh, officially offered the rail rider yet on on our lines, and, and I think uh, with everything going on this year, it just hasn't kind of come to. A, to fruition on our lines properly yet. So I think we will need to talk about that and try and put it out through Deering um, pretty soon if, if you're if you're interested. Oh yeah, yeah, we're yeah, looking forward to it. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, another, another quick question. I'm gonna call her a friend right now, Maisa. She's out in Brazil. She asks a question every time. She's here for every Deering Live. Like uh, there's a several people who are, but uh, Maisa always has some good questions. Um, and she was asking earlier on, uh, do the Cavanjo pickups work better maybe not better, but differently, um, from an open back to a resonator banjo? Um, and would there be any difference or any anything to be concerned about with uh, when considering those two? Um, we have, you know, I'll calculate like how many uh, pickups are sold at the end of the year, and then I'll kind of have a, a brief overview of of what what type of pickups are selling. And I have to say the open back style um, is very popular. It's, uh, it's not like in this small minority there, there are quite a few players that, that we have that are, that are out there playing with, uh, uh, with open back banjos. Um, and but is there a tonal difference? Um, do you hear near when you're playing plugged in, uh, does it, does the hump, does the, Cavanjo work better with a resonator or an open back? Does it make a difference? I think is what uh, I think it's a, I think it's a difference of a sound thing because you know how when you're holding an open back, 
uh, your body and the clothing of your body is going to is going to accept some of the the overtones, mm-hmm. right? But since we're amplifying this string first, mm-hmm. overtone second, it's not going to really know the difference between the closed cavity of a of, right. of a resonator banjo in comparison to you holding the banjo next to your body. So I I would say um, warmer maybe on an open back because you either have an infinite baffle, which is you have no, no, right. no, nothing holding up, right. Just air, or you have your body with your clothing on it. Um, in comparison to the hardback of a, of, of a interior of your resonator, right. but the way that Deering makes their resonators, um, they, uh, you know, Greg and, and Jens have gone to painstaking, uh, you know, ends to make sure that the way the curve is on the interior of those resonators is it, it doesn't have strange rogue uh, mm-hmm. frequencies. So, so I, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to, to, to get people's feedback on that. And another talking about feedback, another uh, question I hear a lot is, is does the resonator or the open back, um, does, is, one better or worse for feedback when you're plugged in? I think it depends on not you feeding back personally, like not you and your instrument, uh-huh. but more like if you stand next to the bass cabinet, uh-huh. right? If you're in an open back, those frequencies can come in from the back, right? And screw with your head. Right. Or you, or if you have you know, a resonator, then those frequencies can get trapped within that, uh, between the head and the resonator, uh, and and kind of create some uns- instability, right? right. Um, so I always suggest that people, you know, if you're playing with drums and bass, you get, you know, as far as away from the rhythm section as you can. Uh, uh, so your so your instrument, just like when when you do gigs with an acoustic guitar. You're either out front of of the rhythm section, or they're over there, and you're over here. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that. That's my advice. And so it's it's not really, there. It's not really. It's better or worse on a feedback scale. Resonator open back. There's a different sort of thing, probably. I think it's different. Okay. Yeah, I think it's different. Just just from a personal experience standpoint, uh, just to brag, playing with uh, my old band here in San Diego. Um, before before we all departed, shout out to Austin and the jo- and the boys. Um, but Austin played a Deering with a banjo in it, and we were like a heavy swampy rock mm-hmm. kind oh, of outfit, cool. four piece. And he would nice. play it and go straight into like a blues deluxe oh, fender awesome. through a couple of pedals. Never had a problem uh, yeah. with with any kind of feedback. Doesn't matter. And we were loud all wow. the time, and uh, it, it just cut right through everything. Um, and then because he had his amp. He had full control of everything that yeah, he was doing. Great. It was it was great. Well, that was one of the two motivators, like we were saying. It was one I was like, wow, it'd be cool to go through the effects pedals. But it was also like, even when I'm playing straight ahead bluegrass in a bar, it, yeah, I was still getting feedback. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, this is so frustrating. So at right. one point, when I first came up with the prototype, I installed the Cavanjo in a banjo, and then I just had uh, SM57 just at waist height and if i had a break i would just step up and i would play and i would play the break but then i could step away from my microphone and still have signal you know so there's all kinds of tricks that you can do you can get you know 
pedals for mm-hmm. microphones that you step up to the microphone and you press the pedal and it engages the mic. And then when you step off of that, um, the mic turns off. So I'm a big fan of like the Cavanjo and a microphone or the Cavanjo and the Paizo, like in the Winston Marshall model. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff you could do with combos. Yeah. We, we could yeah, go down a couple I, of different routes, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, I've got a couple of questions related to that, but Dave, go ahead. Yeah, and, personally um, talking about the blend, I personally, when I play, I play with the Cavanjo and a microphone, either I have these like DPA, like clip-on mics. Um, Ooh, nice. Which is, and, uh, or just a condenser mic up front, a large diaphragm condenser mic. But because those are, this doesn't feedback as much because it's a, it's a condenser mic, but it's very focused. Yeah. The, the large diaphragm feeds back if you have any monitors on. So that I'll do the microphone for the house and Got and it. the pickup for for you know my stage sound. Got it. Um, oh, interesting. For, for the most part, or or a little bit of pickup out front too. If I, if I'm doing a clean like totally clean, you know, sure banjo sound. Yeah, yeah. We we had a, an email today from Clay who emailed in before we we started today, and he had. And I'm going to throw this out to both of you because you're both uh, uh, probably more just as qualified as each other to talk about it. But he he says I've noticed some players continue to mic their banjo as opposed to using pickups. Is that just a personal preference or more typical for traditional bluegrass settings? Um, and pickups maybe used for like louder band type scenarios. Do you guys have any thoughts on that, both of you? Um, I, I mean, just for, have. Go, go ahead, Dave. Uh, for a bluegrass thing, you know, you you generally for a traditional bluegrass thing, you you know, you it's an acoustic instrument genre, and you're playing yeah. a very nice quality, good acoustic instruments, and so you, you're going for that acoustic sound. Um, but you know, again, you're you can if you're playing. You can only get so much sound out. You can you can only turn it, things up so much with all these mics without them eventually feeding back. Um, yeah, and especially when you think if you're using like, condenser micro, microphones that are picking uh, up everything, you know, yeah. going on. Um, but for when we're playing some with any other electric instruments, then the pickup is necessary once you have sub one person plugged on even if it's an acoustic guitar plugged in then it just it changes everything if if everybody's not playing acoustic it just yeah. it totally changes it because you know you're just louder you it's a stronger sound with a pickup than a, than a mic a mic is kind mm-hmm. of a even if it's louder loud it's kind of a weaker sort of sound you know uh you have to go back and think about uh when you know, these bands were touring, uh, like uh, the Bluegrass Boys and stuff, and you had the one microphone thing. Yeah. And, it, you know, and they had to do that dance of coming in mm-hmm. and, and playing their break and stepping out and someone else is coming in. And so you, you know, to be, to have a chord on, you know, those guys certainly weren't going to have a chord because they had to move around, mm-hmm. you know, at this one microphone. And which I love that to see a band really do that well, um, you know, with the one microphone. But what I've seen now is a hybrid of that uh, concept, which is uh, you'll see, you know, at Merle Fest or, or whatever, where you get a band that has a one microphone setup, up. Um, but then everyone else has a little 
Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little yeah. bit of a pickup thing, you know, whether yeah. it's wireless or whatever, um, to allow the sound man to be like, wow, you know, he's behind the mandolin. I just need to pull a little bit right. more of the banjo exactly. in, and so it gets, it gets really exciting um, in these days, which you know, thirty years ago, uh, it just wasn't really. I don't know. It, it's it's really getting sophisticated now when you yeah the one microphone thing sounds great but again it's one sound there's nothing the sound man can do except turn it up and turn it down you know right and with a little everybody having a pickup you can balance balance it out here and there and a microphone has diminishing returns like i can get really close to this or i can get farther away and it and it and i and i start to lose signal really easy and mm-hmm. people who know what they're doing can use that as its own instrument, right? Mm-hmm. You know, coming into the mic and going away from the mic. And so experienced players are great. Um, but, you know, it's nice to have the pickup that you have a constant sound source. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you, you know, if you don't want to, if you have to sing or if you have to, you know, think about something that you have to do within the show that you're not, that, uh, you know, Exactly, and then fast forward. You know, like one of the one of the things that kind of brought the Cavanjo into into the into realms of live music is is the kind again, like you mentioned, Taylor Swift, the kinds of artists that are using them. So just from the Deering roster alone, you know, Taylor Swift was using it at the time. Yeah. Mumford and Sons, Dropkick Murphys, L King, all yeah. of these uh, incredible performers who are not playing really like smaller festivals. They're playing huge stadiums and arenas and elaborate stage setups with with techs on both you know huge uh yeah. things yeah. and i always remember the first time i when i first joined here uh which i joined the company um and i was trying to get in my head around Cavanjo a little bit uh one of the i think it was from drop kicks i think one of the we heard this thing like one of the best compliments we ever heard about Cavanjo pickup was not from the artists themselves but from the sound guy <laughs> yeah, I've heard you know, that because right. it, because it's just so easy to mix in that right. environment where it's so big and there's so much right. going on, right? You know, and yeah. and the guys are moving around the stage and it's you're not fixed in front of a microphone type setting. Yeah, um, that's so funny. I have I've yeah. heard that too, and it it's, yeah, because sound guys it, understand how to deal with a humbucker pickup, how to how it work. Yeah, than, yeah, if, a, a microphone on an acoustic instrument. Oh man, a lot of them aren't very good at it. Well, unless you're Steve Martin and you have like the most amazing mic and the most amazing sound guy, exactly. exactly, You know, I mean, when it gets to that level, yeah, it's it. I can see why Steve doesn't play with a pickup, you know, Um, because the pickup, the pickup is so great on the banjos because so many times I go, I'll go sit in with a band. You know, you Mm. draw, you walk by and sit, and they're like, "Hey, Dave, why don't you jump up and play a tune?" Mm -hmm. And they, it's not a bluegrass thing. It's it's you know they're just like you know a band playing yeah, right any any genre, and like before I'd be like, well, I need to get out my condenser mic and like fiddle with right. it for an hour until it gets <laughs> not feeling <laughs> beaten back. Right. With the Cavanjo, I can just plug it in, yeah, and plug it into the PA, plug it into the guitar amp, whatever's sitting there, and it's gonna sound you know, good without fiddling with it. It's going to be pretty constant, you know, even if it's not my full rig, I'm going to have something that works. And it's reliable. Yeah, it's reliable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a gig situation is, it's it's so, so important, you know, a live situation. Um, Flicking gears a little bit to kind of that other end of that spectrum though, 
from from live performance. I think one of the questions I probably get in the top five um, is is the Cavanjo a good option for recording sessions? Um, my my personal take on in, you know recording is that you know if you're in a, a good studio or you've got a studio at home that a mic is probably the better option to kind of capture the real true essence of of the instrument, right? Not yes. to say that it doesn't sound good, but it's just, you know, you want to try and capture that that sound um, if you know what you're doing with mic placement and, and that kind of stuff. Yes. That's not I, to say, though, that you can't use them both in tandem. No, right? and, I, and I agree completely. If I had to go into the studio, I, 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 would, tell, I would say, I'm going to be in the ISO booth. I want to mic the banjo. And then, um, you know, I'm going to send send uh, a line out uh, to an to an amp, um, and and that's exactly what uh, 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 Dropkick Murphy's Jeff Jarosa Jeff Jarosa said that he did that his sound man did, and he was like, he was like, oh, this is super cool. We're gonna we're we got a choice now. I can yeah. have a clean banjo sound. Or I can right. have uh, the, like you said, Dave, uh, a dirty sound, you know? Yeah, because in post, in recording, you, you know, a lot of the time you'll put the effects on afterwards in, in a band situation. So you, have, so you have the choice of changing the effects, not while you're performing. So yeah. doing it, you know, if you did just, if you just did it, like doing it with giving yourself that, you know, plugging in, it gives you nice, solid sound that you can put effects on, too. Putting yeah. a lot of effects on the mic sound is going to be kind of wonky a little bit. Yeah, and spatial stuff. You can pan it hard right, hard left, you know, each yeah. signal. You can layer them. You can put reverb on one so it's further in the mix. You can do all kinds of really cool stuff, you know, with multiple signal paths. You right, know. Exactly. So, So it's, it's, it's really like within the last 10 years of us doing what we do, um, uh, which this last, uh, NAMM show 2020 was our 10 year anniversary of, uh, right. uh, so it's pretty exciting over the last decade of, of, you know, uh, for working with you guys, mm -hmm. it's just been incredible. So amazing. And then even going back to live situations, I know like Jens Kruger, you know, with the Kruger brothers, they aren't a loud band and they have you know they know they have their sound worked out but they it gives you having that he uses a pickup too he's they're playing into mics but they use a pickup and it gives them a you know they can tweak the sound a little bit they can they can tweak the eq of the sound a little bit more by and the pickup's giving you a little bit more mid-range the mic's getting you this other range and exactly. you can balance that out and you yeah. can put an effect on one channel and not on one on the other yeah and yeah it just gives you a lot of options yeah if you imagine where your pickup is uh, in comparison to the 11 inch or 12 inch diameter of your head, and then you know where do you want the microphone to then pick up you know frequencies that that you're not being responsible for. So if you, you know, if you're in neck position with your cavanjo, then maybe you want your microphone pointed down by the edge of your bridge and picking up you know that that more percussive sound of the of the instrument. So there's there's just so much experimenting that. Mm -hmm. you know, that you need to do in, in recording, uh, situations. Uh, one is to mic, uh, the, the banjo head and then have another mic over 
by mm-hmm. your ear shooting down right. at the banjo and they call that player perspective. So right. that would be like, what do I hear from my instrument when I'm playing? And then they record that and they can blend that in. And there's just so, so, so much good stuff going on. Cool. That's awesome. Dave, how you doing? Yeah. Um, we could, I could talk all day yeah. doing this stuff, but, <laughs> but, uh, but um, <laughs> But we do. We probably should wrap eventually. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have a couple of people asking. I think they maybe joined uh, a little late, um, and so a couple of people asking if we could uh, hear the Cavanjo in action again. Do you want to pull that good time out and do the clean? Yeah, sure. Is is that possible? Yeah. And we are going to start wrapping soon. So just while he's doing that, like, thank you so so much for everybody uh, for joining us. I could play and you could roll the credits up the. Up the <laughs> can we do that, Dave? Do you have any other questions that you wanted to ask that were burning? Questions? Nothing, nothing without getting open another box of worms. So, yeah. Well, we I think there's probably room for more. Like we could get in depth. I, what I wanted to do today, I think what Dave and I aimed to do was to try and really talk about pickups, explain pickups to to the banjo world a little bit, and and demo them. Um, Please go back and watch this afterwards. I think this is going to be a really good resource. And John, you are um, you're you're a saint, my friend. You're a treasure, as far as Deering goes. And we should we should mention too. Uh, a couple of people are asking. Hold on, sir. Oh yeah, uh, I'm just playing it while you talk. Oh, quiet now. <laughs> Um, if you have a four-string tenor, or if you have a five-string, uh, doesn't matter which one, or a um, six-string, six there are six-string, five-string, and four-string versions of the available. Um, we can put them on anything from a good time through to a higher-end upper line. Um, they're just super, super versatile uh, pickups. So thank you for everything you do. That's so. Explain. Explain to. <laughs> Sorry. It, Definitely it, time it, to go. <laughs> it, it feels like the end of the show, the show does. doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Yeah. I have some incredible video of the two of you breaking down the, the daring booth at the NAMM show. That's how Having, we should have ended with today. We should have ended that. Okay, I'll put it up. <laughs> about the Cavanjo is that it, you can go down by the bridge yeah. and you can open up the tone and it can get really harpy so um, you know as you're playing it it'll kind of respond to whatever you want if you want to or if you want to get more you know more mm-hmm. melodic so it's very responsive to where your hand is where you're playing hand is yeah, yeah, and I have a theory about like how the hands are inversely proportional. So as you come up the neck, your hand comes more toward the bridge or more toward the neck, and then mm-hmm. you know. So especially in bluegrass, because you know, it's also one thing. One last thing about like good pickups I've found they're dynamically um, responsive on how how hard you play, how how you know light or hard you play. You get different volume. Um, some some cheaper pickups I've found are just kind of flat and you can play hard or you play soft and it's kind of the same thing you're getting but with the Cavanjo I've been you can pl- it, it, it plays you know you, you can get different volume out of it with different touch on your right hand 
That's it. <laughs> now we've come to the end. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Rest in peace, Mr. Van Halen. That's right. Finish your question, right. and then we'll sign off. <laughs> Is that it? All right. That's it. That's it. All right. Cool. Hey, guys, thank you so, so much. John, thank you so, so much for your time. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was uh, that great. was a lot of fun, uh, as it always is. Um, our Andy Yates, uh, how well does it work for, for Clawhammer? Um, I know, John, you're not a Clawhammer guy. I will say that I have witnessed Mark Johnson at a NAMM show playing Clawhammer with a conventional pickup, and it sounds fantastic. It, yeah. does, yes. it really does. It works great. Yeah. If you, again, if you're trying to get that real true essence of a, of a banjo, okay, but give it a shot. It, it, is a, it really, really does work very well. Um, yeah, and you can tell in that that you know even though it's positioned closer to the bridge, it, it, you know we have never had any complaints of like you know problems with a claw hammer person hitting the pickup. I guess uh, right, yeah, you know, right. Unless you purposely want to hit it, and then it's also a bodron. All right, we've got to let John go. Apparently, he needs uh, he needs to be fed or something. So, <laughs> thank you so so much, everybody, for joining us this evening. Um, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll be back next Thursday with the uber talented Mr. Trey Wellington. Um, hope you guys can all tune in, and we'll see you then. Bye, John. Bye, guys. Thanks again. Bye, bye. It's great. All right, see ya. <laughs>